You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. And welcome to another Domecast, the News and Observer's political podcast. Uh, I'm Jordan Schrader, hosting this week, and with me are Will Doran and Andy Spey of the NNO. And we're going to be talking about the big news in North Carolina politics this week, uh, a federal indictment handed up uh, by a grand jury uh, uh, for four people, including the chairman of the state Republican Party. Uh, There's also some other news this week, but we probably won't be able to get to much of it. But just in brief, uh, the labor commissioner since 2001, uh, Cherie Berry, uh, has announced she won't run for another term, which was looking like uh, some of the big political news of the week. Uh, in a win for environmental groups, uh, the Department of Environmental Quality in the Cooper administration is making Duke Energy clean up, uh, dig up its remaining coal ash sites. Um, but on to the big news of the week, which was the indictment of Robin Hayes and mega donor Greg Lindbergh, along with two others. Um, Will, uh, what First of all, um, give us the backstory a little bit here. Um, when did we find out that there was an investigation going on, and um, what did we know about what was being investigated before um, we got this big surprise this week? So about six months ago, early October of 2018, uh, we heard that there had been uh, subpoenas issued to the Department of Insurance regarding this uh, businessman from Durham named Greg Lindbergh who has – Um, just this kind of large swath of companies, a lot of different holding companies and, you know, other sort of, uh, you know, maybe some people might call them shell companies, shell corporations, uh, but also several insurance businesses. And uh, he's heavily invested in in the insurance industry. Um, And so we learned that the federal uh, government was subpoenaing some records from the insurance department here in North Carolina about uh, his companies and him. And we finally learned on Tuesday what that was all about. Um, Greg Lindbergh, in addition to being this businessman, is the biggest political donor in North Carolina. Uh, He's the biggest donor to Republicans, and he's one of the biggest donors also to Democrats. Uh, He's given millions of dollars over the last several years in North Carolina, a pretty short time, even though he's rarely voted, if you look at his records. Uh, So, you know, it kind of appeared from the outset that you know, he wasn't a, um, a political partisan. This is a guy who barely even votes, but he's giving millions of dollars to all these politicians. So that raised some eyebrows for people. On Tuesday, uh, the, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Charlotte, federal prosecutors, uh, unveiled uh, criminal indictments against Lindbergh, against Robin Hayes, the chairman of the Republican Party, and against two of Lindbergh's business associates. And they alleged that Lindbergh had been using these political donations that he was giving to the Republican Party as kind of a, a vehicle to try to get bribes to Mike Causey, who is the insurance commissioner here in North Carolina. We elect that job. The insurance commissioner is elected. Mike Causey is a Republican. Uh, he took office in 2017 after winning the 2016 election. And Lindbergh wanted some favors from Mike Causey for some of his businesses. And he, because of limits on how much money you're able to give to uh, directly to campaigns in North Carolina under our campaign finance laws, he was limited in how much money he could give uh, to Mike Causey's campaigns. But you're not limited in how much money 
you can give to political parties. And candidates are not limited in how much money they can take from political parties. But it is against the rules for people to give to political parties and have that be earmarked. So how did the feds find out about all this? Well, from Mike Causey. He went to the FBI. Uh, he, the first time Lindbergh approached him, uh, Causey was kind of sketched out by their conversation. And instead of acquiescing to some of these requests that Lindbergh was making and some of the offers of funding that he was throwing out there, uh, he contacted the FBI. And from what we can tell, it looks like he started wearing a wire and became essentially an informant against uh, Lindbergh and eventually his party boss, the chairman of the Republican Party. Um, and Kazi hasn't been charged with anything. Um, another player who's tied up in all of this is Kazi's predecessor as the insurance commissioner, a Democrat, Wayne Goodwin, who is now the head, the chairman of the Democratic Party. Um, but unlike Hayes, Goodwin has not been charged with anything either, um, although uh, Kazi has has told us uh, that there looks like there had been some loopholes were the word that was the word that Kazi used uh, that were being exploited by Lindbergh's companies while Goodwin was in charge of the insurance department. Um, and maybe it looks like that is what Lindbergh was hoping to continue to do under Kazi. And uh, Kazi's people were trying to put a stop to that, hence the attempted bribery. This is all according to the criminal charges. Obviously, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. We still don't know you know what a what a jury will find or if anyone will cop to plea deals or anything like this but for now uh, at least in the very early going everyone has pleaded not guilty all right and uh as you said uh a number of people who are caught up in all this have not been uh charged and um one of the the biggest beneficiaries of greg Lindbergh's money uh, is the lieutenant governor, Dan Forrest. He has uh, indirectly uh, gotten the benefit of a lot of the money that Lindbergh gave. Lindbergh uh, provided a lot of money to this Republican Council of State committee that Forrest uh, leads, um, which is for the benefit of Forrest and other Republican uh, statewide elected officials. Uh, Lindbergh also gave a lot of money to um, PACs connected to Forrest. Uh, but there's no allegations in any of the uh, indictment that uh, there was any effort to bribe Forrest or that uh, anything, any wrongdoing involving Forrest. Um, so, Andy, what did Forrest have to say after this all came down, and uh, what do we know about uh, his relationship with Greg Lindbergh? Forrest, um, so what we know about his relationship, it goes back to um, – a couple of years uh, and he is directly he's he's tied to Forrest through I guess three different groups one is the truth and po prosperity super PAC the other is the council of state committee um, which is a political campaign committee that um, both of those have given uh, have been funded by Greg Lindbergh and both are set up to help Dan Forrest and at least one other Republican I believe it's Mark Johnson the school uh, the North Carolina education superintendent. And then there's Dan Forrest's campaign committee. Uh, this week, uh, Forrest people came out and said, yes, you know, Forrest sits on, uh, is, you know, uh, acquainted or associated with the, the big committees, you know, the, the super PAC and the Council of State, and Lindbergh funded those. Um, but they claimed that 
Lindbergh had given no money directly to Forrest, uh, and so thus they aren't going to give that money back. Um, what we found yesterday is that uh, Lindbergh, even if he hasn't given money directly to uh, Forrest's campaign, in, uh, at least in the campaign finance disclosures, is uh, very well acquainted with Forrest. They're tied. Uh, back in they saw each other three different times between August and October of 2017. In August, there's a Facebook post uh, that we found that shows uh, Forrest speaking at Lindbergh's house in front of a group of people. Uh, his house is huge. It has these big columns in front of it um, and a circular driveway, and there's people standing in it. And it looks like a beautiful day out in uh, Durham where Lindbergh lives. And, uh, but that event is not listed, in, from what we can tell, in campaign finance reports. Uh, next, Forrest uh, appeared at a ribbon cutting for one of Lindbergh's uh, companies in September. So a month after speaking at his house, uh, Forrest went to Lindbergh's business opening in Durham. Uh, Lindbergh, as Will mentioned, um, owns these different uh, insurance companies and insurance management companies. Uh, and then in October, uh, Dan Forrest turned 50 years old, and his campaign committee threw him a party, a 50-year, you know, 50 birthday, 50th birthday party, and it had co-chairs and sponsors and things like that, and people could buy in uh, for different levels of money. Well, you could be listed as a co-chair of the birthday party for Dan Forrest if you paid $5,200, $5,200 which at the time I believe was the maximum amount for a personal donation to a political candidate in North Carolina. Uh, we asked, uh, and Greg Lindbergh on that invitation is listed as a co-chair. So it gives the impression that he paid that $5,200 to Forrest's campaign. Uh, but Lindbergh, as I mentioned before, is not listed anywhere in Forrest's campaign uh, dis finance disclosures. So either he didn't actually give the money or he did give the money and it wasn't reported, which is a crime uh, or a violation of the law, I should say, and, uh, or there's some sort of mix-up. We reached out to Forrest's campaign and they said that uh, Lindbergh didn't actually give the money. He was just listed as a co-chair uh, because he's a friend. So uh, that's their level of... Um, Intimacy, if you will, of their, that's the level of their friendship, is that Forrest is speaking at his house, he's showing up to his ribbon cuttings, he's listing Lindbergh as a co-chair for his birthday party, even though Lindbergh didn't give him money directly. And Forrest is, has been the biggest recipient of Lindbergh funds. Well, he, could, he stands to be the biggest recipient because he uh, is set up to benefit from these uh, campaign committees and super PACs. So it remains to be seen how this plays out for Forrest. Um, you know, before all this uh, fallout with the indictments, you know, Forrest was seen as having this boatload of cash. He has these different committees. He made a video um, using the uh, money from one of them last year where he mocked people who disputed voter fraud. You know, he, he had this tongue-in-cheek video where he said, here's how to commit voter fraud. It's so easy. Um, obviously a Republican talking point that, you know, elections are tainted and all this. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting who comes to Forrest Rescue financially after this and what he does with that money and how uh, Democrats 
go after him because he is definitely tied uh, to Lindbergh. Um, yeah, in his official statement on Tuesday, the same day the indictments were unsealed, he referred to both Robin Hayes and Greg Lindbergh as friends and said that uh, the indictments are, the charges are troubling, um, but that he believes in the rule of law and looks forward to seeing how it plays out. So we all look forward to seeing how it plays out, that's for sure. And what do we know about Mark Walker's role in all this? Uh, Congressman Mark Walker, who represents uh, an area that includes Chatham County, uh, is mentioned in the in indictment as uh, public official A. And uh, he's not named, but he has been identified um, by um, Politico as public official A. Um, so uh, what, what do we know about what Walker uh, supposedly did? Well, and this morning, uh, as we were coming in, our um, counterparts, if you will, at WRAL, I saw that they have a story up saying that um, Walker's people, a spokesman for Walker, confirmed that he is public official A. And in the indictments, uh, the in, uh, it's a 23 or 24-page document. At one point, uh, Causey says that he is not going to remove a staffer that Lindbergh allegedly wanted removed. And so public official A in the document, Walker, uh, according to Politico and WRAL, um, has a phone call with someone and essentially, uh, and I believe Causey, and says, you know, just encourages Causey to, you know, listen to Lindbergh, um, which obviously looks bad for him. Um, I'm not sure what the legal ramifications are for Walker, but um, we spoke to uh, Causey a couple times this week, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if more indictments uh, come out. All right. And I mean, what do we know about Robin Hayes? Um, what's his history um, uh, in the in the state? Um, he's got kind of a long uh, history of not only being the party chairman, but also being a congressman, right? Yeah, uh, Robin Hayes is uh, from a very prominent uh, family in kind of the, the Charlotte area, uh, that corner of the state, um, and he served in Congress uh, for a long time, and then you know, after he was done in Congress, came to, to lead the, the state party here. Um, I think one thing that probably deserves mentioning uh, now in light of this whole scandal with th these allegations that he was you know, improperly earmarking funds to kind of use the state Republican Party as a vehicle for people to skirt campaign finance laws. Um, uh, Andy wrote about basically that s exact same thing happening in the 2018 elections, but uh, really nothing ever happened on that front. That's right. Last year, we got audio of um, Hayes speaking at a fundraiser for David Rouser. And he said, you know, I'm going to pass an envelope around. If you put money in here, then uh, I will make sure that through the, uh, you know, the uh, Republican Party's campaign committee, it gets to him, which is illegal. It's illegal to earmark. But that's what it appears is going on here with uh, Lindbergh and Causey. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Hayes and Dallas Woodhouse, the executive director. Hayes um, sort of came to the Republican Party's rescue a few years ago, some might say, um, after there was turmoil with Hassan Harnett, who was elected chairman, I believe it was 2015. Um, and so the, the party 
was split over his election. Some liked him, some didn't. Uh, for whatever reason, um, the executive committee decided to uh, vote him out, and then they put Hayes in. And Hayes had been uh, not only a congressman, but I believe he had been chairman once before. But he and Dallas Woodhouse are effectively the faces of the Republican Party in North Carolina, at least, you know, of of the establishment, um, them and Phil Berger and Tim Moore. So uh, we'll see. You know, Hayes showed up in court on Tuesday after having hip surgery. Uh, he was there in a walker looking kind of feeble. I'm sure he would even say, you know, I, any, any of us would be feeble after surgery. Um, he's denied the charges, but... One might think that, you know, lying to the if you're facing charges of lying to the FBI, you might be willing to make a deal, and who knows where it plays out from there. Um, but the 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 uh, election for a new chairman is in June at the Republican Party convention in Concord, and yeah, I think early, earlier this week he Hayes stepped down from his official role. Um, or I should say he stepped down from most of his duties. He's retaining the chairmanship title, but giving his responsibilities to a man named Aubrey Woodard. Uh, so I, my assumption is what we're hearing is that some people on the Republican Party's committee uh, don't even want Hayes around for that long, for the next two months. Um, and so I, it, it remains to be seen whether he and Dallas Woodhouse can last uh, until then. All right, and uh, Will, as as you alluded to, the um, uh, some of the inner turmoil in the parties extends to the Democrats uh, as well, since uh, they got money from Greg Lindbergh as well, and um, some of them, especially the ones who would like to attack Republicans on, on this, are saying, "Well, wait a minute, what, what about our own house?" Um, so, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's been a, a big point of contention within the Democratic Party. I, I reported on this. Um, Thursday night, uh, story's up if people want to go read it. Um, but yeah, uh, Greg Lindbergh's money was not limited to the Republicans. Uh, he gave a lot more money to Republicans, obviously, in addition to the two and a half or so million dollars he gave Dan Forrest's groups. Uh, he also you know, gave the 1.5 million directly to the Republican Party, which is that 1.5 million is the money that's really at the center of these criminal charges. Um, but he also gave half a million dollars, a little over 500000 to a an independent outside PAC supporting Wayne Goodwin in 2016 uh, during Goodwin's unsuccessful re-election campaign to, be, to win another term as insurance commissioner. Um, he also gave several thousand dollars directly to Wayne Goodwin's campaign that year. And then after Wayne Goodwin lost that race, two of Lindbergh's companies hired Goodwin as a consultant. Uh, Goodwin has told us that he uh, you know, didn't treat them any differently from any of his other consulting clients and that he did have other clients and that his business relationship uh, with Lindbergh uh, ended before these, uh, these federal subpoenas became public knowledge. Um, and then uh, the ties continue after Goodwin is done you know, with the, the consulting gig and all that for those companies, or while actually while he was still consulting, he becomes chairman of the Democratic Party and uh, the Democratic Party gets $750,000 from Greg Lindbergh, uh, while Wayne Goodwin has essentially the, the role as the party's top fundraiser. Um, so there's a lot of money with Democrats uh, from Lindbergh and 
essentially all of it, nearly all of it, appears to be tied with Wayne Goodwin, who is previously the insurance commissioner, obviously Lindbergh, you know, with everything we know about him and Kazi's interactions was very interested in, you know, pressuring the insurance department to make sure that his businesses got favorable treatment. Goodwin has not been charged with anything, um, and the party says that there was nothing illegal or improper with the money that Lindbergh gave the party after uh, Goodwin became the chairman. Uh, they are not, don't have any plans right now to return it. They've already spent some of the money, uh, you know, on, uh, you know, repairs to their office headquarters in downtown Raleigh and then, you know, just general political uses as well. Um, and they, they say, look, we're not the Republicans. You know, the, the Republican chairman is the one who was charged, not the Democratic chairman. There's nothing, there's no taint on this money. There's nothing wrong with it. That has frustrated a lot of people in the party uh, who, one, think that, well, you know, maybe this looks a little fishy, or two, hey, even if it's not fishy and we take, you know, the top party leaders at their words, like, don't we kind of look like hypocrites if we are slamming the Republicans for all of this Greg Lindbergh money while at the same time we're keeping his $750,000? And there's kind of this divide uh, that I wrote about. Uh, it, it really kind of went on silently, not well, not incredibly silently, but out of the public eye for the last six months uh, at these internal party meetings of the executive council. Um, but then after these indictments broke and the party still kind of stood by the money, uh, a lot of people went on the record with me to kind of voice their, you know, some of their frustrations or just, you know, to kind of explain what had been going on behind the scenes with this push to, uh, to have a really a discussion about what to do with this money because really what has happened is people have tried to raise this issue at multiple points uh, since October when these federal subpoenas became public and party leaders just really shot it down each time and you know as they as they told me now when I read this article like yeah there, there's really no debate that the party is interested in having it's their, their stance is the money was fine and it, it's going to stay with the party. All right. Uh, any other angles on this, uh, these indictments that we should explore before we go to Headliner? All right. Well, let's take a break and come back with Headliner of the Week. Stay with us. Headliner of the Week. 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 Who's hot? And we're back with Headliner of the Week, and uh, it's a two-man duel. I guess that's the only kind of duel there is for Headliner this week. Uh, Will Doran, who's your Headliner? Uh, my Headliner is North Carolina Sheriffs. Uh, there's been this fairly controversial bill that uh, I've been writing about and Andy has also written about uh, in the General Assembly that would force sheriffs to work with ICE. Uh, and this is a direct reaction to, in November, uh, voters in basically all of the state's largest counties elected Democratic sheriffs who ran on a platform of not working with ICE anymore. Th this is really how the immigration debate has localized here in North Carolina. And the issue is when, uh, say, someone gets arrested and they're charged with something, they haven't been proven guilty. Uh, the question is, should the sheriffs alert ICE if they think that that person is not here legally and, you know, have them deported. 
and sheriffs in Mecklenburg County, Wake County, Durham, Asheville, all over the state, really the big urban centers of the state have all kind of pushed back on this um, and said, you know, we, we don't think this is appropriate. So the legislature stepped in, uh, Republican sponsored bill would force sheriffs to work with ICE. If they don't, they could be fined up to $25,000 per day, which obviously is quite a bit of money. Um, and I had tried getting the, uh, you know, getting the Sheriff's Association, which is the big lobbying group for sheriffs here in North Carolina, to talk about it. And they didn't really want to say, you know, they said, well, we think, you know, some sheriffs are going to be for this, some sheriffs are going to be against this, so we don't really have anything. But then it went to the House floor on, I think it was Wednesday, and the Sheriff's Association came out against it. And for people who don't follow North Carolina politics, that's a huge deal. The Sheriff's Association is hugely powerful in North Carolina because in you know, every county has a sheriff, and they're all elected, and most sheriffs are hugely popular with their people. And so they have a lot of sway. And so they, they came out against this bill. Um, and, you know, that really put some pressure on, you know, lawmakers to figure out uh, how they're going to stand. So uh, the, the debate's not over yet. Still got to go to the Senate. And then obviously, uh, you know, Governor Cooper, if it passes, you know, can still veto it. But uh, uh, big breakdown uh, here between uh, Republican leadership and the sheriffs. North Carolina sheriffs in the hat for headliner of the week. Andy, who's your headliner? I'm going to go with uh, Cherie Berry. Uh, that is how I'm told you're supposed to pronounce her name. Uh, also known as the elevator lady. Uh, people know her from her uh, uh, photo in elevators. She's the labor commissioner and she's been there she will have been there 20 years uh, by the time she retires next year. Uh, this week she announced she's not going to run again. And um, I'll be honest, I tweeted about it. And uh, when it happened, she announced it at a Council of State meeting. And I got more reaction to Barry retiring than I think any other tweet I've ever made with people saying uh, most, I would say it's 75-25 positive. People saying, making jokes about, you know, uh, you know, they're, she's letting them down you know or she always lifted them up or things like that um but then you know you have some people who uh paid attention uh to, to some of the things she did while in office um sort of uh building a close relationship with businesses and some might argue going um soft on them when it came to uh employee work worker safety and um, even fighting for workers' checks. The News and Observer wrote a series a couple of years ago about how, you know, when a business uh, hires people to, like, freelance contractors to do work and then doesn't pay them, um, those workers rely on the labor commissioner to go after the businesses to ensure that they're paid. And her office... Uh, we reported was bad at doing that. Um, they just sort of let those let, let those cases go, um, and so people did work that they were never paid for. Um, so it, her, to many people, she's sort of like uh, I guess a grandma who was always there taking care of you in the elevator. And to other people, you know, she was um, this friend of big business. Uh, but uh, in either case. Um, She's still probably, if I had to guess, one of the most popular politicians in North Carolina history. And so it was a big deal this week when she announced that uh, 
she wasn't going to run again. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the next person elected puts their photo in the elevator. It sure does It seem to pay off. <laughs> uh, it did for her for 20 years at least. So uh, the elevator lady is my headliner of the week. All right. Labor Commissioner Cherie Berry in the hat for headliner of the week. And uh, I'm going to go with Cherie Berry for uh, our winner. So Andy is our winner uh, this week. And uh, uh, sh with Cherie Berry's face leaving the elevators, uh, a new era in North Carolina. Some people responding to your tweet that they're just going to take the stairs now. So uh, that's it for today's Domecast. For Andy Spay and Will Doran, I'm Jordan Schrader. Catch us again next time. Uh, goodbye. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.